Conrad, where are you today? I am fresh off a plane for the first time in 18 months. Just came back from Texas. Texas. I'm looking at you. You're in a hotel room or you do a really amazing job at folding sheets in your house. That's just my virtual background. No, I'm actually in, I am in a hotel room. I'm in Chicago today for the American Bar Associations. We have some meetings about tech show. And uh, I'm excited to be out. I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic excited. I fear after the stock market crash of yesterday or two days ago now that I'm, I'm not sure how optimistic. We may go back to turtling, but it does feel like there's more. It feels like I'm likely to see Seth Price at an airport bar more likely to happen now than in the last two years. So, Well, Seth's at the airport bar. It's just a matter of if you're going to see him. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. We love you, Seth. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone was at the AAJ uh, recently. Toby Milrood passed the gavel. He did a great job of running AAJ during kind of the COVID years. I can't imagine that. But, you know, we're back. We're kind of back. I Again, my first business trip in a long time, and it's it's nice. It felt it felt. How did good. it go? How was the trip experience? I drove because I'm you know I'm Detroit to Chicago, so I made the drive and listened to podcasts. You flew. I'm a efficient traveler. I did a red eye, and then I got the last flight out the same day that I landed. So I don't enjoy the travel part of travel, but I do enjoy, you know, like you guys as lawyers, you know this. We've talked a lot about virtual and running a business over Zoom and blah, blah, blah. There is something very real about meeting face-to-face. And this was a prospect that I have been talking to for two years. This is our first face-to-face. And we now have a completely different relationship. And nothing has changed about who we are or what we're offering or who they are or what they need. But we now have a relationship and it's different. It's fundamentally different. Speaking about face-to-face and relationships, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going into referrals. You and I are going to have a referral off, although I bet our number one recommendation for getting referrals is the exact same thing. It's one of two. It's one of two. It's one of two. We're going to talk about budgeting for marketing. We talked about price the other day uh, when we were doing the Clio survey. We talked about price. We're going to talk about budgeting for marketing. And then finally, Guy, we're going to end this with personal recommendations. Hit it. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Before we get started, we wanted to thank our sponsors, Clio, LawYaw, Alert Communications, and LexisNexis Interaction. All right, Guy, I gave one of mine away earlier, but we're going to talk about the five ways to get referrals, right? And these may not be the best way, but... You know, you and I are digital marketing people. We like people to spend money on SEO and ads and blah, blah, blah. But I believe one of your tenants is the best marketing you can do is to get referrals, right? And then you don't have to pay people like us. Well, I mean, is there anything better than having people come to you, right? And so the question is, why would people come to you and refer people to you? And let's talk about five reasons why. Okay. Give me one. You want me to go first? Yeah, I want you to go first because... Well, 
you know, my the first one is this is the one that people are gonna can't stand. They're gonna eye roll and moan and be so annoyed by provide remarkable client service. <laughs> That's my number one. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> you know, all the stuff I see online about like how to get testimonials and referrals and systems and processes. All that's garbage if you're not doing something to stand out and actually be remarkable that people would be like, hey, you know what? This lawyer is actually worth referring to. Now, you said something. There's a nuance to your comment. Uh-oh. I hate No, nuance. no, this is, this is very important. You said provide great service. I said remarkable, actually. Remarkable service. Yes. What you didn't say is be a great lawyer. Do good at the well, Everybody's a great thing. lawyer. Haven't you seen? Everybody's a great lawyer. Everyone's a 10 on Avo, baby. Everyone's a 10 on Avo. Everybody's been fighting super hard for over 100 years. Everybody <laughs> went to the best law school. And they have combined experience, lots of. So when I was writing this list, Guy, I wrote tangible, right? Mm. Because I think a lot of the things that people think about in terms of, in your words, remarkable service are those tangible things that have little to do with your lawyeringness, right? And so it's finding those remarkable moments of delight where you're just delivering, the way you deliver your lawyering is remarkable. And I think that's an important nuance. Agreed. So be awesome, crossing that off my list. Be awesome, one people can't stand. (laughs) All right, my next one, and this is surprisingly not done. We have tried to do this for a couple of our clients, a couple of our clients who do this. And the bigger you are, the more relevant this is. But actually, no. The smaller you are, you can do this at any scale. Systemically, systematically, sorry, have a referral thank you, right? Let people know. And it's, it's actually difficult because here's the thing. All of you know you should be doing a thank you. And none of you do it, right? And that's, I'm probably overstating. But no... So you need to be able to capture that, you know, Bill was referred to me by Molly and then Bill turned into a client. And now you have to have some like a system that just automatically makes sure that Molly gets, my thank you is, is almost always a bottle of scotch, which may or may not be appropriate all the time, but like there's a thank you. And, and that is a part of someone's job. It's a part of what you do. It's just the way you work. Yeah, that was on my list. It wasn't my next one, but I have manage referrals and it goes to the the thank you but you know so many people especially if you have a, you know you're a busy lawyer you don't have any system in place to actually manage what's going on with referrals and so you know we want to know a great way to stop getting referrals don't say <laughs> thanks don't follow up you know all that kind of stuff you know which kind of dovetails into part of my other my my number 2 and these these are loosely in the right order is staying in touch And so staying in touch with former clients, staying in touch with people you've had a relationship with who have been good referral sources. And it goes to that same thing with managing, but it's a more specific part of that is, you know, how many times you talk to a lawyer and you're like, what are you doing to stay in touch with former clients? And they're like, stay in touch with former clients. Why would I do that? Right. I have a variant of that. Mine is be a networking badass. Hmm. Sounds easier said than done. It is. And it takes a lot of time, right? And I think the key here with the staying in touch, so staying in touch is is kind of like, those are people with whom you have worked. I would extend this to, 
are you really, really giving back to your community? Are you really, really actively involved, right? And this goes back to the uh, Gary V jab, 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 right hook, which is you give, 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 and then you may not even make the ask, right? By the way, I think this, and I'm going to offend our, uh, bing, 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 we've offended the, <laughs> the listeners already. I think most, the attorney profile in general is not great at being a gregarious networker, right? So I mentioned the other day, or, or uh, yesterday, I just came back from Texas. The client that I was meeting with is what I would call a networking badass. And one of the things that we talked about was their party that they throw for, as he scoffed 600 of their closest friends, right? But that's part of what he does and that's who he is. And there are other people who do this similarly, but like getting out in the community and giving back, giving back, giving back, giving back without expecting anything in return. That was actually, that was loosely my number one, which is just be generous. Be generous with time, be generous with your knowledge, be generous with all the things you can be generous with. And I think that goes to the the idea of that you're talking about here, I think there's no question about it. You give, you know, what's the, um, I'm going to totally butcher this, but there was an old SNL skit with Chris Farley and Paul McCartney. And there's something about you get what you give. Is that true? Uh, again, look it up. That's terrible. That I, can <laughs> I cannot, I cannot help you on the pop culture <laughs> reference as we know. Sadly. So I'm standing on my own on that one. You can go look it up online. It's on the internet. Um, here's another one, which is in line with this, but, Refer, refer out, right? So oddly, you'll notice that the more referring that you do, the more you tend to get referrals. Weird how that works. <laughs> it's reciprocal, right? Like, Geet, I refer clients to you and you refer clients to me, right? It works. Yeah, you know what? That was not on my list, but I think it's a really, really good one. What else you got? I have another one that is much more marketing. Sinister. Advertise. No, no, it's not sinister. But those of you who are running a lot of clients, you can continue to stay top of mind to those clients with branded advertising. And it does not have to be over the top obnoxious, but it is very easy to forget about a service provider. And it is very easy and cost-effective to stay in front of your past clients, right? And it's not obnoxious at that case. And so I really think about your remarketing doesn't stop when they turn into a client, your remarketing doesn't stop unless they're an unhappy client in which they go in the do not remarket to list, right? The last thing you want to do is send ads to that person who flamed you on Google. But I think it's just staying in front of people and, and a super cost-effective way to do that is with remarketing. Yep, that's a good one. The other one that I had on my list, I think this rounds out my five, if I'm keeping track, but I put partners. But what I mean by that is non-competitive people who might be dealing or servicing the same client base that you are. So Is this the chiropractor? The chiropractor, you know, really any professional service provider, accountants, therapists, build the relationships with that that professional service network. I mean again, it depends on your practice and depends on your the clients that you serve, but you know, geographically like and this goes to that networking in your local community, but you know, get out there and be social and get to know people, refer where you can with those, you know, non-competitive other service providers. And, you know, again, some of the stuff, I say this stuff, and I think this goes to your point about the systems and my point about managing it is lawyers know this stuff, but so many times 
we talk to lawyers and they're just not doing it. Whether it's not, be, it's a matter of like not prioritizing it or not managing it, or they're too busy with their heads down. But I mean, this is the cornerstone. It's relationships and reputation, right? Like this is the cornerstone of successful practice. Well, you said there were priority. It's never a burning priority. It's always something that can be shuttled to the back. Always. It's never burning. And so it is a classic example of something that can get neglected because it's never on fire. And yet the attorneys who always keep it on fire, who always make it that priority, frankly, they spend less money with you and me, right? Well, you know, it depends on, you know, how much they want to grow and all that kind of stuff. But I think the other thing too is, is like, and you had mentioned this with the retargeting, like the lines are very blurry between, you know, adding new to the top of the funnel and getting an ad in front of somebody that actually is aware of you, right? And so I think it's part of the mix, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, whether it's in the context of retargeting or email marketing, like there are a lot of those services that I think, you know, they dovetail with agencies that are actually doing that, you know, direct response, you know, classic awareness type of campaign. So anyway, I guess the point being that I don't even necessarily think of those as separate. Like they require the same investments. Maybe the cost per acquisition is lower on a referral, but it's the same type of managed, invested, budgeted time and money to actually nurture those referrals. 100%. My last one is what we started this with. And it's an exhortation based on us coming out of COVID and sitting in our home offices forever. Right now, do it in person. Do it in person when you can without the disclaimer of wear a mask, but like we're craving personal contact. And I can tell you, you guys, I don't need to tell you, you know this, your relationship changes when you spend time with someone in totally. person, period. It's totally different. It's totally That's different. It. That's what I got. We went for 10, five each, and I think we came up with six <laughs> total. That's fair. Yeah. We're not good at counting here. Let's move on. Now it's time for the Legal Trends Report Minute brought to you by Clio. You can tell because the clock is ticking. What would you think in 2020 if I told you that law firms using technology earned over $37,000 more per lawyer than law firms that didn't? Are you asking me this, Key? Would you believe it? I would believe it because I think Cleo has had us talk about this over and over again. I think they're trying to convince you guys that technology has a business impact. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of their points, and I think that, um, you know, this is borne out in, in, because, you know, Cleo's been talking about this for a long time, right? I think the pandemic has really, like, forced, we've been talking about this a lot, but has really forced lawyers who have been reluctant to do it to be like, well, you know, I literally can't serve my clients or run my business without technology. Right. And so, you know, if it's... (laughs) at the risk of stating the obvious, 37,000 more per lawyer than law firms that didn't. Well, law firms that aren't likely were closed completely. So they were at zero. So even if you were just doing 37,000, you'd be beating the firms that were closed. But in any event, if you're not convinced how technology can actually help you earn more money, check out the Clio Legal Trends Report. They talk a lot about impact of electronic payments, client portals, client intake software that support law firm growth. The client portal one too, I mean, I can't, we put this big umbrella of portals, but like whether it's a knowledge base or some way to automate a lot of the delivery of the information that you can uh, do as a law firm. I mean, it's it's a game changer. It's remarkable. 
To learn more about these technologies and much more for free, because Clio gives you this information for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. Let's take a break. No one cites routine drafting as the reason they chose to become a lawyer, but that's where a lot of time goes for solo practitioners and small firms. LawYaw can help you transform your existing Word documents into reusable templates with no coding required. Save time and avoid errors with intuitive features like conditional logic. Use a tool that empowers your experience and expertise. Learn more at LawYaw.com. That's L-A-W-Y-A-W.com. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866 827 5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. So one of the other things that is is fundamental, in my opinion, to marketing is having a budget and, and conversations about how do you even start to think about a budget? You know, what's what goes into a budget? How do you allocate resources of firm time and money to different aspects of a marketing budget. Let's talk about that, Conrad. How do you budget? How do you recommend people budget? Well, we have a couple, I think the most important thing, not the most important thing. One of the things that's very important as an agency is not to ask the clients what their budget is <laughs> because you're starting from the wrong place and it's the wrong way for law firms to think about their marketing. The question is, what are we trying to do? What is our objective, right? And some of you guys want to take over Texas. Some of you want to keep the lights on for the next three years before you retire. Those are very different budgets. Those are very different objectives. And so I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all, but I think the marketing budget needs to look into what your practice area is, where you are, and where you're trying to go, right? And what kind of practice you have. Are you a high volume, low margin practice focused on efficiency? Are you a small boutique focused on the right four clients every year? And th those are very different things. Yeah, no, I think the the point about the objectives, that's really the starting point. And, you know, I that's good common sense. So let's, let's just take one of those examples. Like, how do you take it a, a level deeper, right? Like, how do you start to say, okay, I want to take over Texas? Yeah. How do you start to even think about the time and resources that you need to take over Texas? I mean, you know, because at the end of the day, I could you could be like, all right, I want to take over Texas. And maybe you're a consultant person or maybe you're an internal person at the firm and someone throws out a number and they're like, all right, it's going to be $10 million. I'm just making this up because I was sure. think it's probably even more than that. But let's just use $10 million. It's going to be $10 million to take over Texas. I mean, how do you even start deriving those numbers? So- we did a long study across all of our clients and we kind of grouped them into buckets. And and this starts, by the way, so, sorry, the metric that you're asking for, Guy, and I don't know that this is the perfect metric, but it's a pragmatic metric. And I use the percentage of your revenue that goes to your marketing budget, 
right? And the reason that's not pragmatic is if you're a solo practitioner who wants to take over Texas, you need to go with $10 million and 20% of the $40,000 you made last year, that's still not going to go very far with your objective, right? So there's a pragmatic side to this of being like, all right, what can we actually finance? Now, I'm sure there are law firms, well, I mean, there's the financing of growth, right? Which I don't want to even get into, but pragmatically, we start with, by the way, and with an agency, that starts with, we need to know what your revenue is, right? So now, now I'm asking, like, that's an awkward conversation right off the bat. Like, we just went out on our first date, and uh, you're asking me how much, how much I, what's my salary kind of thing. But it's an important conversation, and it's an important grounding. And then I look with the firms, like, where are you trying to grow? If you did $2 million last year, and let's take the takeover Texas concept, right? It's going to take a long time self-finance to take over Texas, but you better be putting in 20% of your revenue back into the takeover Texas part. And here's the, here's the reality key. Money finances growth. That means that the other way of saying that is you're accepting lower profitability to finance that growth, right? So that's the trade-off. Like you can choose not to grow and you can be much more profitable, right? And that's okay. But like, I think many firms don't, I mean, we talk about marketing dollars as an investment, not a cost, all this kind of stuff, but like it eats right away from the bottom line, period. There's no two ways about that. Right. And it's the thing that you, that you got to, you know, it should start with your objective, but you know, look, uh, this is the same thing we talk about when they like new ideas and stuff. It's like, oh, I like the idea of time travel. It's like, that's great, right? Okay, I want to be able to travel in time. Like, show me how to do it, right? So it's the same thing with the objective. Like, you can walk in and be like, I want to take over Texas. And it's like, yeah, uh, I'm doing it. So now you're going to get into a question, like you had mentioned, You like, what are your options? Well, you can finance it. So now you're going to talk about like your risk tolerance level and like where you are in your life. But I think for most firms, I, I'm with you on the, it's some function of your financials because you know look yeah for someone that has a that's maybe starting out and they have huge aspirations and a very high risk tolerance maybe they go and try to get a loan or get financing or vc money or something i don't know Um, but for most but for most (laughs) firms it's got to start with well. Let's look at our P and L, and that's another thing that I always you, you mentioned. This is that can be an awkward conversation to have, but I don't see how you can have a realistic budget that's not somewhat grounded in your P and L. And whether it's a percentage of your overall revenue, a percentage of yeah. your gross profits, or a percentage of your actual profit, it has to be somewhat connected to that. And so then, the, of course, it's like, all right, Guy and Conrad, we we believe you. What's the right number? And, and I think that there's some flexibility there, but when this question comes up, I always kind of refer back to the SBA. And of course, not every business fits into the SBA guidelines for the size of businesses and types of business they're talking about, but they give a lot of ranges on this. And so, you know, I think low end, you're probably at 6%, high end, you're probably in the 20%. You know, if you want to kind of find in the middle, people are like, oh, give me a number of like 12%. But again, it goes back to, it's almost like yin and the yang. It's like your objectives that are like, filtered through your risk tolerance and your finances. That conversation has to evolve from those factors in my view. So let, let me let me pull one piece out. There are definitely firms with that great reputation 
and that just do the networking side of things. And they have no objective to grow bigger, right? Like I have a few clients that fall into the like, we're great, we're well-known, I need a web presence because people are gonna look me up and that's fine. I have no desire to take over the world. And you know, I call those kind of rest on your laurels clients, right? And we don't have many of them because we're not a good match for those. You started with 6% which is interesting because, so we, we've bucketed this into six different buckets of what kind of firms look like based on their business objectives. And then looking at across our clients, what we believe, probably not fairly accurately, but what we believe to be their percentage of marketing, their marketing is a percentage of their revenue, what we call growth companies which are looking to go between zero and 20% growth, which is a, a fairly organic growth rate. Typically, we see them spending between 6 and 8% of their, their overall revenue on marketing, right? And that represents most law firms, right? The, the reality of many law firms are where they think they are. The next bucket that we have is what I call aggressive growth. And this is a firm, and I literally have these written out, firms looking to establish or maintain market leadership over a three to five year horizon, right? Those firms typically are in the 10 to 20%. And then I have what I call high volume, low margin, where this is pejoratively going to come across. And I say this, and I wouldn't say it to a client, but now that you're all listening, this is what we say behind your back. This is the Walmart of law approach, right? Where you are focused on efficiency. It's typically personal injury. The firm is extremely well run. It's very efficient. You tend to not take things to trial if you're a PI firm. You're focused on settlement. You're not paying your lawyers a lot, right? But there are lots of them. And so those marketing spends, that's typically in the 15 to 35%, right? So those are the firms that are just highly efficient machines and they make it up on scale. That's how we right. kind of break it down. And you know, it's just, this is loosely related to this conversation, but I think it's worth mentioning. I think another way of thinking about your investment is, you know, like you said, if you're going to do it, if you're investing, if growth's coming from profit, that profit you've got, that's your money. So where are you going to invest it? You know, so is it a better investment to invest in yourself and your business, right? Firms are businesses, whether lawyers like to hear that or not. Heresy. You know, you can take that money, you can go put it in the market. You can yeah. take that money, you can go save it. You can take that money, you can put it back in your business. But I think that's another part of the conversation when you're thinking about making investments in your business is what's your projected return for dollars that you spend to grow your business? Bet on yourself, baby. If you're not going to bet on yourself... You shouldn't own your own Go law work firm. for someone else, right? Exactly Seriously. right. Exactly I, right. I mean that. When we were doing all these studies, one of, this is a really interesting piece of data that I haven't seen before and I haven't had published or talked about, but one of the things that we looked at was marketing infrastructure versus marketing effort. And the marketing effort is things like your ad spend to Google, your infrastructure is your call tracking and Google Analytics and all of the things that determine whether or not that is actually working. So this is your gas versus engine. This is my gas versus engine, right? And so one of the things that we found across our clients is surprisingly consistent. The infrastructure spend was typically in the teens, in the mid to low teens. And it picks up 
the smaller you are. So like the smaller the firm you are, the more you spend on infrastructure as a percentage. So like you might be at a 20% infrastructure spend. But what you don't want is you don't want to so over invest in infrastructure that there's nothing left over to actually drive traffic to the website or your phone or, 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 or create appointments. You've got that Formula One race car, but you can't afford the jet fuel. That's, we talk about having like, yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the car in the garage. It's the Ferrari in the garage that no one ever sees, right? Right. Or vice versa, you've got a car that's not so great filled with gas. Like all the passenger seats are filled exactly. with gas, but it's leaking out the windows. Exactly. Yeah, you don't because see that you one don't, as much. And you don't know it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Ad break. The right client relationship management solution enables and empowers firm growth. LexisNexis Interaction is designed specifically for law firms and embeds client intelligence at the heart of every interaction, providing valuable insights into client relationships so you can make strategic decisions about how to focus your resources to gain more business. Learn more and request your free demo at interaction.com slash lunch hour. And so something that we haven't done before, but we're going to start doing more regularly to let you know what's going on with us, we're going to talk recommendations. So one recommendation from me, one recommendation from Conrad. Let's see where this goes. And mm. please do tell us what you think if you have recommendations for us that you'd like us to share. Conrad, give us one recommendation, something you've read, listened to, saw, done or live vicariously through your children. Oh, that's that, that's most of my <laughs> most of my uh life is living vicariously through my children. So, I had the entire like we've been working remotely. We had the entire agency come together for uh the first time in 2 years last week or 2 weeks ago. Time's kind of melding into one. And one of the things that we ended up talking about as as agency was was favorite movies. And I am not a pop culture person. I I don't watch television. I don't watch movie. I don't remember the last time I sat in a movie that wasn't geared towards children. But this was my recommendation, and it's so corny and thick, but it's real. Go watch Goodwill Hunting, right? If, if you need to pick me up, go watch Goodwill Hunting. And remember that Robin Williams committed suicide, which is super brutal in the context of watching that movie. It's just kind of mind-blowing to me. But I think you will leave watching Goodwill Hunting wanting to make your own life a better place. And this is a this is, I will leave it, I will stop with the corniness right after I say this next part. I went back and chased after a girlfriend of mine after two years of us being apart at the end of Goodwill Hunting because of the end of Goodwill Hunting. And she's now my wife. So go watch Goodwill Hunting and I'll make you a better person. Wow, yours your recommendation is a lot deeper than mine. But thank you for sharing that. I love Goodwill Hunting. I'm also I, uh, clearly the bar is low because you're a self-professed don't watch movies or TV at all. I love movies. I don't know if I would call myself an aficionado of movies, but I do love movies. And my recommendation, I guess technically it's not a movie, it's a Netflix series that I was um, introduced to by a friend called The Nick. Have you heard of The Nick? I haven't heard of the Nick. I did recently hear of this thing called Game of Thrones. Well, but... it's, yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> talk, talk to me about, you, talk to you about your recommendations over. Your yeah. tie, yours is way too deep. <laughs> Mine is very superficial. But the Nick is about its medicine at the, like, I don't know, I guess it's like 1900-ish where we are right now. Clive Owen is a doctor at this hospital, the Knickerbocker in New York. 
And, uh, you know, it's pretty graphic, but so if you're a little bit sensitive, queasy on the uh, medicine stuff, don't watch it. But you're, you're basically seeing all the issues that they deal with at this hospital politically, financially, and also in the operating room being like, you know, experimentally. And um, really enjoy it. Really pretty good writing. Uh, I don't think it got picked. There's only two seasons, so it's a short watch. But uh, I've really enjoyed that one, so I'd say check it out. It's not going to – I don't think it's going to give you the purpose and meaning that Goodwill Hunting will. But if you need something to be running in the background while you're working on cases, I'd say check it out. Game on. And with that, we're at the sad conclusion of another episode. I know this is – one of Conrad and my favorite things to do. I hope you continue to enjoy it. Uh, and if you do, please do leave us a review, provide feedback, check out the hashtag LHLM, follow us on your favorite podcast, podcasting tool, and we will talk to you next time for another episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.